You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Happy Saturday, everyone. Happy Saturday, White Sox fans, uh, non-White Sox fans. You just happen to be listening to this podcast. We welcome you to. So uh, this is the North Side Sox podcast. Uh, It is a South Side Sox podcast. We have many awesome shows. Uh, Thank you for listening to ours. I'm Janice Scurria. With me, as always, is the wonderful Sam Sherman. Sam, how the heck are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, It's getting hot here in Chicago and uh, a lot of people, that's very exciting uh, for the allergy battlers um, out there. It also comes with just horrifying <laughs> allergies and doing things like taking Benadryl at like, you know, right when you wake up in the morning to be like, I'd rather just pass out than have to deal with the <laughs> impending Benadryl, doom. <laughs> yeah, Benadryl is always like, can't be sneezing if you're completely unconscious. Exactly. There's some days though, that's what happens. I'll just be like, I'll wake up and I know it's going to be a bad day and I'm like, "Mm -mm, not doing it. And I'm just like, fuck that. I'm going to take Benadryl and I'm going to, I'd rather battle through uh, like drowsiness than, you know, have just like just dripping, you know, like a stream of snot flowing from my face. Stream of consciousness, stream of snot. Like that is the <laughs> Sam Sherman promise. So but I'm anyway, doing okay. <laughs> you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Uh, so anyway, typically we would talk about last night's White Sox game, but we're not going to do that for multiple reasons uh, because we don't want to revisit Andrew Vaughn grounding out into a triple play. Uh, so instead, we've got something uh, much more entertaining for you on the docket. Uh, joining us joining us today is an awesome guest, um, a, a really close friend of mine, a really great baseball 
mine, fantastic analyst. Uh, he's a writer at pitcherlist.com. Uh, he is also a contributor to Lookout Landing, our Mariner's sister site on SB Nation. Uh, we have uh, Michael Ahedo on the show. Mikey, how the heck are you? What's up, fam? Uh, I'm all right. I, uh, I'm coming off of my first in-person game night since 2019. Uh, like, like literally just waking up from it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was weird. It was like extremely normal, which feels very odd nowadays. It feels very abnormal. Um, but it's hard to like not be in a great mood, you know, coming off of that. So, and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm with you guys. So Aww. it's going to be great. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Your, your day is just starting on a, yeah. on a very high note too. So, uh, Mikey, uh, the reason why we brought you on. Uh, so not only are you absolutely fantastic to talk to, and I genuinely enjoy speaking to you, uh, <laughs> is that you wrote a couple of really fantastic White Sox articles for Pitcher List. So one being uh, Lucas Giolito. Uh, Lucas Giolito uh, has not ha- gone off to the greatest start. Uh, so uh, we, we call him our ace. Uh, in my mind, he is still our ace. Uh, but he certainly hasn't pitched like one. Uh, so there's been plenty of talk in circles on uh, what the heck is going on. Uh, there was a start against the Red Sox where it seems as if uh, the Red Sox lineup was just continuously hunting for his changeup. He was just very easy to figure out. And everyone was like, is he tipping? Like, are they uh, intercepting signs, what the heck is going on here. Uh, but your article seems to mention that there is, is a slight mechanical change that Giolito can possibly make to kind of return to where he was in 2020 and 2019. Uh, yeah. Can you elaborate about that? Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it was kind of a nightmare going through uh, and kind of doing the video work because the angles have changed slightly every year. Um Thankfully, I think they kind of did in the same direction, but it was like, well, I can't really view, you know, his arm slot and space when all of these angles are different. And I looked at a lot of video, Um, but basically what I found is that he dropped his, his release point down a little bit. And maybe that does speak to um, hitters picking the ball up more. I kind of think that it's not like maybe there is some level of tipping that's going on, but um, I think it, it, a lot of it has to do with the, the change in movement on his pitches. Um, I think one, when your pitches are moving differently than you're used to, uh, they're more likely to end up in locations that you don't want them to be in. So um, pretty much all of his, pitches and by pretty much I mean all of his pitches have drifted arm side to an extent his fastball is probably the least um his changeup is it's dropped down uh and out so it's getting more run uh and sink um and then his slider is also very different um that was one of the main things that I noted in the piece is that he's locating it really poorly and it's moving a lot differently than it ever has. Um, it's essentially a lot of pitches with gyro spin, which means it's spinning like a, a washer machine or like a bullet. Um, because their spin direction isn't 
it's hard to kind of describe, but because it's, it's kind of, um, uh, at the will of gravity. So, um, it might spin like a true gyro ball. It spins at every single direction. Like if you look at Mm -hmm. a spin direction chart as a clock, it'll spin from 12 to six and then back to 12, it'll spin all the way around. So, um, I'm trying to see, did he add gyro? I don't remember. He still has a lot, a lot of gyro on his, his, um, pitch, but I think the nature of his arm slot dropping down is it's just moving differently. And so I think he doesn't know where it's going because the movement on it is he's, he's getting way more, um, arm side movement on his slider. So he's pretty much getting, he's getting pretty typical movement sometimes, but he's also losing it and getting, arm side movement a lot. And I think that's why it's kind of ending out um, like elevated and over the plate. Um, But I think a really big thing to look at aside from that, and I was kind of hesitant to believe that this was the case, um, but his velo dropped and Mm. it dropped. I, so Eno Saris has, has said a lot that like the threshold for whiffs uh, with a fastball is 94 miles per hour. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this is a year. This is a year that his <clears throat> his fastball velo has dropped from. Let me look. Ninety four to ninety three and a half. Oh. Um, so it's right at the threshold already. And if you look at his last game, uh, he got his velo back. He got his velo back to ninety four point three, which is the That's first right. time he's yeah. been at ninety four since his first game this season. So there were a couple other things in that game that I found interesting, but I don't want to have a monologue for an hour. <laughs> No, this is absolutely fantastic insight. And uh, yeah, we picked up to that. There was a drop in velo uh, and that, uh, yeah, movement was also uh, pretty strange on a lot of his pitches too. Uh, So his slider, so he he typically doesn't use his slider a lot in games. Uh, He usually will pepper it in, but he's typically just like a a fastball changeup mix guy. Mm -hmm. Um, I did uh, hear that he is working on his slider in bullpen sessions uh, between start. So uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, what the intricacies of that work is, uh, but he did use it quite a bit in his last start, which I think you might've mentioned uh, either in Twitter or maybe on Mandela affecting this and just making that up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I said something about it. Um, There were a couple takeaways from the game that I found uh, pretty interesting. One is I just want to see like, did he raise his arm slot and it, it didn't, seemed to be the case. Um, <clears throat> I think more so he had his best uh, fastball velo, obviously just said that, but he also had his best fastball ride um, or like rise, which, you know, the two are, are interconnected. Um, and then he really, really elevated his change up more than ever. Um, so there were a lot of really um, encouraging things from the game. Um, and I'm trying to pull up now. Um you know, if his, if he got his um, slider kind of movement back, because obviously, especially if you don't have your best fastball, it's not good to lose your, your slider too. So um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's interesting. People are acting like it's the end of the world. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is Lucas Giolito. Like his numbers are not super far off from where they've been. Um I, you know, I've, I def- definitely have been guilty of it uh, this season of texting Janice. And even we were at a game a couple of weeks ago and I, Janice, I think you'll remember, I said to you something along the lines of, 
is it is is Lucas Giolito? Is it possible that he is our least trusted starting pitcher right now in the rotation? Which is going into the season would seem like a you know a wild thing to to think could be possible at any point. Um, so I guess as far as far you know in your in, in your opinion, um, for a fan like me who's an idiot uh, and looking at Lucas Giolito um, and, and seeing kind of the early struggles. Uh, and, and sort of saying, and hearing some of these, these changes or some of the things that he's getting on some of his pitches now for somebody like me who, you know, can say like, Oh, you know, why wasn't he, you know, what was going on? Why didn't that just happen? And it's from the start of the season, a guy like Julie, who's already an established, you know, ace of staff. Um, do you think that that's just the, the ramp up of, uh, you know, after last, last year's shortened season to now the full season? Um, what do you kind of attribute some of that to? Yeah, I think some guys like just come out and they're not, you know, they just don't have their best stuff. They haven't, um, I don't know. I, I don't think a lot of guys, you know, are really into, I mean, more people are into the like Rapsodo um, kind of things, but <clears throat> I think it's difficult to kind of maintain everything that you're doing because your routine's changing over the off season. Mm-hmm. So I think this is just a case of essentially bad timing because, and it's, it is weird that like, I mean, if he did lose his velo, I think he, like, he would obviously be a worse pitcher. Um, but I think it's just like, and I guess I, I will admit that a, 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 like a little bit of this is somewhat unprecedented. Like in the article, um, I threw up a graph, which is his K percentage and hard hit percentage. He's getting hit pretty much as hard as he's ever been hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, his K percentage is down as much as it's been since 2019. Um, but I think when, once those indicators come back, uh, that there's really no reason to be worried. And, and one thing from that game is, yeah, his slider, um, movement was back. It's, uh, I don't know if it was in the, uh, game before that, but, um, it's not drifting arm side. Yeah. So actually in the game against the Royals, he had two drift arm side. So it looks like his slider's back. That's good. Yay. Um, the Velo's back. Uh, I did text Jan. I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to say things like this, but I texted Janice's, but um, he, he knows that, you know, the, the issue with his arm slot uh, is an issue and he's working on it. So obviously he knows about all these things. Um, he's a pretty, I think he's a pretty sharp guy. Mm. Um so yeah, I, I think um, he went on the Bat Flips and Nerds podcast and mentioned that, Mikey. So it's not private information. So oh, did he? In cool. That yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, he said that. I, I think that's also where I got the information about where he's working on his slider in bullpen sessions too. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it came from Giolito himself. Uh, so anyway, uh, I was sorry to interrupt you there. Were you? No, think- you're good. Okay, <laughs> y'all should have him on. Just hit him up. <laughs> Probably. We, we do have a media contact uh, for the White Sox, but um, they're historically very protective of their uh, of yeah. their players and uh, who gets to interview them. Well, well, Sam also got to talk to Eloy Jimenez last year and ask him about ta- ask him about Taco Bell of all things. Which is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, we're what you know, we'll, uh, well, I think it was Mike because it was talking about. I was talking about like um, how actually it was when I was talking to Luis Robert and talking about um, 
he, how he was like, there was an, an Instagram. It was like, he was eating a ton of pizza hut. And yeah. I was just like, wow. Like, <laughs> or I don't know if it was pizza hut or Domino's, but it was, it was one Domino's. of those. It was Domino's. Yeah. It, apparently yeah. that's all there is in Charlotte, North Carolina is just Domino's. Mm-hmm. Eat, so. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and he said too, that it, you know, it, and it, this, this was, you know, something just my ignorance, but like he said that, you know, without, without speaking English when, you know, when he's in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's like, you know, he can go to a pizza hut and be like, I, it's easy. You know, he could just, he can order the same thing. It's good enough. He enjoys it. Um, so, uh, anyway, that got my answer of why every, every night it seemed like he was just had boxes of pizza hut in his room. <laughs> oh, an athlete's, uh, diet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, all of Chicago was more so offended that, uh, he, he would go to, uh, Domino's or pizza hut and everyone was like, oh, we, we, we got to show him some real pizza, some real, uh, Cut into squares, tavern style pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the Seattle equivalent of that is. I guess that's, it's probably like either drinking Folgers or oh, going to, right. yeah. I don't even know, what's like a really bad coffee place? Like a chain. I, I, I mean, I would say like this, Starbucks is probably the equivalent of like Pizza Hut, right? You think Where- so? It's just kind of everywhere. They're trying to be artisanal. They're they're really trying to kind of tap into that, you know, like super. I'm into that. That's a good comp. Yeah. I I do feel like Starbucks is a little better. Like I feel, I don't feel bad when I get stuff there. Maybe when I am eating, I'm like, this was just warmed up. But like Domino's and Pizza Hut, I'm like, "Mm, I'm caught in a dirt bag right now. (laughs) Hey, the crispy crust. uh, I don't know if they still have it. The crispy crust at Pizza Hut is actually really good. I, that's just that's so just Sam is coming out as listen. Sam I, is coming out. He is Janice <laughs> supporting. I, we're trying to get that sponsorship. I've got some things on the side. I'm, I'm working on. All right. So if we could just stop bashing <laughs> Pizza Hut. <laughs> Only if we can uh, take up residence in like a former Pizza Hut building, you know, they're just like one of those buildings that (laughs) that iconic, just like, like uh, angled roof. The hut. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Pizza Hut's. Mikey, I know you're you're a little bit younger than us. I'm like, yeah, Pizza Hut's used to be in a literal literal hut, Uh, and and now uh, because they've abandoned that, uh, you'll see just like like the eye clinics and just like doctor's offices and like what else, like insurance uh, offices oh, all inside pizza huts. This reminds me, this, this will be the, the I was on uh, I'm looking for furniture for a place I'm moving into. And I was on Craigslist and there, there was somebody selling a pizza hut, literally a pizza hut booth from like a restaurant. And what? it was like, not very expensive. And I was like, mm, maybe <laughs> Only if it comes with the lamp that hangs down. It didn't. Like, it didn't. That would have been it. <laughs> um. So so, uh, my, can I call you Mikey? Is that okay? Yeah, call me whatever uh, you I didn't know want, if that man. was just for yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Janice uh, referred to it earlier, but you also wrote a fantastic piece um, for Picture List about Tony Larusa, and and I as Janice, I've joked about this throughout the entirety of this podcast um every episode where we don't ever want to talk about tony larusa but he's making it and he's made it impossible for that to be the case um and uh i guess it's a tough and at the end of your piece you sort of said you 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 brought up the reality of the situation which is 
even though he absolutely should be fired for, you know, pick your reason. Um, the White Sox are in first place. Um, and I actually think that even if they weren't, it wouldn't really matter. We, I think that for Jerry, for Jerry Reinsdorf to fire, um, his, his buddy would probably be like, it would, it would just wouldn't happen under any circumstances. But for Sox fans right now, um, it's really conflicting because, you know, we want to, um, put our full force into rooting for the team and all that. It's a, we love all the players. Um, but, you know, it's just tough. Um, so can you talk a little bit about kind of, I guess that as you were sort of writing that piece, cause you brought up some things that I had even forgotten about early on in the, in the process. Um, and sort of just, uh, what, what got you to the piece of ultimately saying that this guy's, he's got to go. I, like to begin the season I, or, or like before the season, I just remember seeing it and I was like, I mean, I think the first thing I thought of is I was like, ah, oh, poor Janice. Like, uh, thank you like, for thinking of me. Thank you. For like the White Sox are, um, preseason. I was also on another podcast where I was arguing, I was tasked with arguing that the White Sox were better than the Twins. As it turns out, uh, they're all a whole lot better than the Twins. Um, but I just thought it was a nightmare. Like he is kind of a dinosaur. Like I said, he's yeah. not really known for actually being like basically having the Dusty Baker role of like being the kind of glue to the clubhouse. Um, <clears throat> in fact, he has kind of a bad reputation, uh, you know, as it pertains to that. Um, I know that he butted heads with Ricky Henderson I think Ricky Henderson, I don't know if he called him racist, but he had inse- he essentially insinuated like, you know, black players don't like him. Players of color don't really like him. Uh, he doesn't like them. And as a team with a lot of players of color, it seemed like a bad fit to start with. Um, that we were also concerned with too. And also too, we, we saw the tweet with Marcus Stroman uh, basically blatantly saying that there, there is no amount of money that that could be thrown at him to, for him to play for Tony LaRusa. Really? Yeah. 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 We, we were concerned um, just mainly because like, first of all, the, the rumors going around, we all thought it was a joke. We were all like, Oh no, th- th- there's like no way yeah. it's going to happen. Like, like, of, of, co- of course not. Like, Rick Hahn is going to uh, be more uh, sensible about this and uh, hire actual candidates, uh, qualified candidates. Uh, we were really hoping that he would at least uh, pick someone uh, who wasn't white. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was rather disappointing to see in that regard. Uh, but, yeah, uh, uh, to see that Stroman tweet, uh, we were concerned that this would deter players of color from signing in, uh, especially those in free agency. Uh, and Stroman was one of them. So, yeah, I, uh, I got a lot of uh, grief for using the, what people call buzzwords, um, white privilege, racism. I might've used another, like people were trying to argue that it was cronyism and I was like, yeah, it is, but cronyism yeah, and racism, like they can all, you know, coexist. Nepotism um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also thought that someone's going to be like, Hey, he's half Spanish, uh, but they didn't. I was disappointed. Um, <laughs> yeah, like until they figure out that Spain is in Europe. Yeah, Tony right? LaRusso is a person of color. That's undeniable. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's an Italian ex person. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Can you please? Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's pretty unprecedented. Like, mm-hmm. I've never seen a member of, a, you know, like someone in power um, interact with their players like this or like the players. Um, just like going back and forth through the media, I've obviously seen times where guys like in like post-game interviews like maybe managers will say things and it's like yo it sounds like you're kind of blaming this guy for the lot like you could just not and whatever um but he did and it was uh, not only one like it's one of the more wild things that i've ever seen so yeah they're like one of the winningness winningness teams in baseball um they're doing fine right now, but I don't think that's because of him. And no. I don't think it's going to, you know, mess with their, um, uh, what do you call it? Momentum. So I don't think there's any reason not to, but obviously I think, I think it's, it's pretty clear from just about everyone that it's not going to happen at least yet. Um, so maybe something bigger needs to come out, but like, obviously the players don't support him. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, Tim Anderson, I think it was yesterday or the day before commented, um, and, and did like what, you know, an actual like leader, you know, should or would do. And, 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 um, in talking about kind of diffusing the situation, which should not be Tim Anderson's responsibility. And yet, you know, here, here he is having to, um, you know, defend or, or diffuse a situation that his manager completely started my manager. Yes. And, uh, but Tim Anderson basically said that, you know, he, he said, you know, uh, Tony's like our dad and we're like the bad kids that don't listen. And, and sometimes, you know, that's, but that's okay. And, and, and again, kind of diffused it with humor and, and bringing it all together, which it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I, you know, that's really nice to see that, that Tim's doing that. But at the same time, um, you know, period. But then also, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, Tony LaRusa had an opportunity to, um, not even defend, I guess, defend his player in your mean Mercedes. Uh, and not, but he, not only did he not do that, but he threw him in front of, you know, he threw him, you know, in front of the, the bus and then put gasoline on him. And then literally, it was this whole thing. And he was driving the bus, essentially. He was driving the bus and he did all of that. And, but, but it's just that that's what was really frustrating in seeing Tim Anderson uh, say that, which is again, Tim is, it should be the manager. He basically is the manager in a lot of ways. Right, uh, right. But, um, but it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, it's not the actual leader of the team in Tony Larissa, which he's very much not um, who, who kind of, you know, the players have since the beginning, not thrown him under the bus. And then here he is uh, having absolutely no respect for his place. And that comment that he made about Lance Lamb uh, about, and, and you noted it in the, in the column as well. Um, just about, Oh, it's, it's, it's the, uh, what is it? I have an office. He has a locker. I mean, what the fuck is that? I mean, it's just, that's, that's honest. Somehow, um, you know, it, it can't, unfortunately, if that were in the top five of the worst, you know, Larusa thing since he, his, his current White Sox tenure, that might mean that there's not as many bad things, but it's, it's a, it was a bad one. Um, right. just so inc- incredibly self-inflicted too. So Mikey, mm-hmm. you noted in the piece that Larusa very well could have pulled Lance Lynn aside and said, you know, Hey, look, uh, this is how it is. 
Uh, but he chose to go to the media. Like he, he, he chose to, to, to put all this out there uh, and to uh, go back to Tim Anderson for a moment. So yeah, that quote where he said that, you know, uh, that the White Sox are like the bad kids who don't listen. And I know like he's joking, like he's trying to keep the situation lighthearted, but there's a lot of truth into that too. And, and that exactly is what a manager should do. I definitely diffuse any conflict, uh, just show signs of leadership by, um, uh, affirming that the team still has some cohesion, just mainly because when I hear Tony Larusa speak, um, like just uh, completely just throw Lance Lynn under the bus with uh, with your mean Mercedes. There's a party under the bus apparently, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, that's that's exactly what a leader should do. Uh, and to also go back to uh, so Tyler Duffy threw at your mean Mercedes. Uh, Tim Anderson called it a sign of weakness. Tony Larusa said he had no problem with it. So there's kind of like a big contrast there on uh, what exactly uh, a leader should do. And, and the, in my opinion, a leader should stick up for his te- uh, for for his players. Uh, so, uh, so Mikey, one thing that you pointed out in your piece uh, was that uh, so Tony Larusa said that. Uh, Tyler Duffy throwing at your mean Mercedes wasn't suspicious, uh, but you looked at all six uh, six thousand three hundred eight of Tyler Duffy's pitches since twenty fifteen. So apparently, uh, the pitch to Mercedes was the furthest pitch he's thrown to his arm side aside from an intentional walk. So the, the data is there, the evidence is there that it m- probably was intentional. <laughs> And I don't, I don't even know if, like, I don't know that we needed that, but I just figured, you know, this is super easy to do. I'm just going to pull up the horizontal. Oh, it, pitch it was great. Um, you know. Fantastic. Like, like, like that yeah. definitely drove it home it's for like, me. That, it's like, you uh, know, yeah. for anyone that doesn't, it's like, fine, you want the breakdown, I'll give you the breakdown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, six, over 6,000 pitches. Um, what I was uh, going to bring up is that, like, the quote where – what did he say that he's going to have to endure something like within the clubhouse? Oh, How did y'all the family? What was the, yeah. How did y'all interpret that? I mean, I, I don't know. I, it, it kind of like brought like mafia vibes to me. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> it, 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 his, yeah. his last name's Larusa, So <laughs> no, just, uh, yeah, kind of, uh, yeah. Showing his Italian ex culture. Um, <laughs> I, I tweeted it from the uh, from the podcast account, but I was like, "What the hell does that mean?" Like that it was it's of it's a uh, at best uh, just a weird thing, and at worst like a fucking horrifying thing to think about. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And the way he said it too made it sound like, "Oh yeah, the players know what I'm talking about." But I don't think that. And then him calling it the family, it's like Tony, there is a family in this with this clubhouse, but you're not a part of it. There's there's not uh and that's the other thing about what Tim said about like he's like our dad it's like wow that's a lot of uh that's really put putting him you know again just diffusing and he did, he shouldn't have to be in that position he's like uh, a badass stepdad <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> um yeah I, I i don't know it's it's just one of those things where um i and and we've talked about it all year long but um it is really just separating the team from the manager uh which it would be great if it was just like um, you know, they, they, one of the, inter- seemingly the only other interview that they gave in the off season, um, cause I'm not even sure if they interviewed Tony Larissa for the job, um, was to, to former White Sox, uh, White Sox, whatever, uh, Willie Harris, 
Um, and it's like, what just, I wish they would have hired Willie Harris. He had managerial experience uh, in the, throughout the, you know, different levels of the minor leagues. And that way, um, you know, I wouldn't have to have these weird conflicts every other day as far as wanting to root for the team, but also not wanting Lurius to get any credit for that. Um, and I think that in, in your piece, when you talked about white privilege, I think that that's something that is vitally important for hopefully for people to understand throughout this press. I mean, it's a kind of, it's like an obvious example that unfortunately people just um, are ignoring or, or, you know, um, or, or, you know, choosing to ignore. Um, but again, we talked about it before in that interview, interviewing Willie Harris before the season only to then when they kind of knew that they were always going to give Larus the job is just defensive. Um, and it shows that in what are we 2021 um, in baseball and people talking about all the, you know, progress, it's sort of like, I don't know that any of that, you know, I guess it's, you could point to certain things, but at least in the White Sox organization, you know, a team that Janice and I love, um, they're, that progress, they just cannot say that that progress has been made at all. Uh, so hopefully this is a one-year thing. I'd love to say they could win the World Series and then Larusa can walk away and then we can get back to something, but because he's not going to be fired. And I think that's what, what, what's so, um, shameful about all of this, like seemingly whatever he does, because he's, you ran down the list, Mikey, in your piece, but there's too many things to count. And when I was, when I was in sixth grade, uh, I had a teacher who after we had a pretty, like we had a team. So you have two different like cohorts within a team that are just like swapping teachers. We had such a bad team that after the year he retired, I hope that's what happens, Tony Larusa, uh, this year is that Tim Anderson and the others are just such bad kids, <laughs> like me in sixth grade, that he just rides off into the sunset. World Series or not, I, that's what I'm hoping to see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And of course, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I honestly hope that, you know, the kids misbehave as much as they do, because first of all, it's like fun as hell to see. It's, it's, it's fun as hell to see my team having fun. Um, so as a byproduct, I also have fun. But the whole thing with respect um, goes both ways. So I mean, like you said in your piece, LaRusa talks about having respect for the game and for his opponents, but he doesn't seem to respect his own players. So, and I mean, like, like what the heck are they supposed to do uh, other than just ignore his old ass and continue uh, playing uh, the, the way they are, which is just fantastic and, and being true to themselves. So I think um, my favorite, your mean Mercedes quote, and I think he posted this on Instagram uh, right after the whole incident. Uh, it, it was something along the lines of like, be you, that's it. Uh, and it, it, it definitely kind of had some like live, laugh, love vibes to it. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and the fact that we're talking about him so much just makes me even more angry. We should be talking about how incredible uh, of a season your mean Mercedes uh, is having, yeah. even though I mean, he's been knocked around by various teams over the past 10 years. Um, that too also makes me so angry, uh, just mainly because your mean Mercedes needs to pad his stats. So when arbitration rolls around, yeah. uh, he can go ahead and get that, you know, big fat payday. But the thing is though, he's 28. So more than likely he's probably just going to get like just one big payday and that's going to be pretty much it for him. 
but yeah, um, you're you just kind of thinking about the disparity between these sides that, you know, you have this Hall of Fame manager uh, trying to uh, just protect and uphold the unwritten rules of the game or whatever. And then you've got this 28 year old rookie from the Dominican Republic um, who was acquired in the minor league rule five draft, like still trying to make a name for himself and still trying to uh, just push his team and just, just carry his whole team uh, as CC Sabathia said on his, on his back. Uh, I, I swore a lot less than CC there though, but uh, still though, it, it, it's, it, it's fucking infuriating. There you go. I said it. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head though. Like the, the focus shouldn't be on the players at all. Um, maybe, maybe you can say like, I don't even know what sportsman like means, you know, it's such like a made up. It's so, kind of. it's so arbitrary. It's so incredibly mm-hmm. just abstract of what sportsmanship looks like. Ugh. Well, and the, the, the goalposts shift based on, you know, the skin tone of the player too. Um, so yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be the focus at all. And uh, like, not only that, but you're right. Like, I don't know if he will get a payday. Like it might just be his arbitrations that, like he's not he's not going to get like I don't know a five year like fifteen million dollar whatever like he's probably not going to get that, um, especially just like with his he's not like he's not the greatest fielder maybe y'all have some more insight but <laughs> um, but yeah. like ev- like truly like every at bat counts for him like another homer could be um, I think I think I saw someone uh, do a study that. Or, or cite a study that said that every home run is basically equivalent to like $50,000 in arbitration. Like wow. that's a big deal. So um, yeah, for, for a 28 year old rookie, I don't know how you can, you know, you can uh, say otherwise. And like, regardless of what the third base coach, what the sign was, like if it was don't swing, like I don't really care. <laughs> and I mean, again, it goes back to this idea of, of privilege with LaRusa saying, you know, for him to say, that's not how we play the game. You know, he doesn't play his game. He plays the game of baseball, whatever. And that's that number about the 50,000 per home run. I mean, for Tony LaRusa for hall of fame manager guy, you know, maybe that's yeah, drop in the bucket. You know, he get a couple DUIs, no big deal. Still go on to get a coveted, you know, job in, in one of those coveted jobs in sports in the world, whatever. Um, but for your mean Mercedes, that's significant. And the fact that Larusa can't understand that and, and also chooses to, as he said in, in the, you know, like playing this stuff off is, oh, you guys are talking about this a lot more than, than it actually exists or I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. And it's like, well, you should pay attention because if you paid attention, you would see people that are talking about this and making very good points, which should be common sense. And I think it's also unfortunate that, that at the beginning of the season or even before the season, uh, Lucas Giolito made a comment on a show or something talking about how, you know, uh, La Russa is, is kind of, um, he's letting us, he, he, La Russa spoke to the team and said, you know, I'm not trying to get in the way of, of this chemistry. I'm not trying to get in the way of the clubhouse. I need to earn your respect, not the other way around. Um, and I believe that La Russa said that. Um, and it was nice of Giolito to report that out, but, I, it just, it's, it's, it's a lie <laughs> that that's just not the case. Cause he's not acting like that. Um, so for any of the people, and I was one of them that thought in the back of my head, Hey, maybe there's a chance 
that Tony will learn or, or something um, that was, that was taken away almost immediately um, really before the season even started. And we've only, and again, we're not even far into the season. What are we a little over a quarter of the way into the season? And we've already yeah. seen so many things, so many issues. Um, and I mean, for the love of God, like he had like Larusa runs, runs like a pet rescue uh, organization and like how do you fuck that up how do you run a pet rescue organization that is like with a toxic culture the answer is that you have tony larusa at the helm i mean it seems that seems like an easy one. Is, is that a thing that's a th- yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll like send it's, you the it's toxic like yeah yeah, yeah he, no he, was running, he, he was running a pet rescue organization um out of the bay area i believe and uh, his family <laughs> including his wife and his daughters i believe were like on the board and there were some people on the board that just were just making outwardly just racist comments um <laughs> trying to give you a brief synopsis of it but uh, essentially uh yeah the entire organization just uh uh, I know he resigned and then his family resigned shortly after. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just not looking great. Yeah. I I feel like he's uh he's someone who uses the term anarcho anarcho Bidenist, like seriously. <laughs> like I, I don't know. He's just he seems so sketchy on the political side of of the coin too. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'd be a whole not a whole other thing that i'm sure we, we, i don't know if i want to know or if i don't want to know that's yeah <laughs> i've already seen some things and I, I think i might have sent them to you sam i might i might have sent them to you too mikey uh but uh yeah it, it's certainly uh questionable but <laughs> um mikey i wanted to bring up to you before we before we wrap up um and thank you again so much for 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 joining us uh I, I hope you can come back on often. Um, but uh, you wrote a piece. So I've been kind of like uh, mostly off Twitter, I'd say until very, very recently um, <laughs> tweeting from the podcast account. We'll see how long that lasts anyway. Uh, so I've missed a lot of, a lot of uh, great pieces and things like that, but something that I uh, caught up with was a piece that you wrote, I think in January uh, kind of talking about your mental health and, and, and some stuff like that. I, for, I wanted to, first of all, just thank you for that piece. Um, it was absolutely incredible. Um, again, I know I'm the last of the party with this, but, uh, I'm, I'm in my, I'm just wrapping up my first year of a, uh, clinical mental health counseling program. Um, and what? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, oh, you this, guys have stuff in common. Pretty cool. Absolutely. And, uh, and you just, I mean, that piece was just, um, incredibly, uh, um, relatable, uh, very touching. And, and I think that I think a lot about, um, especially since I've been in this program and just like access and, and awareness and all of these things being, you know, I say, I said the other day to somebody that like, we can learn all the, 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 you could be the the greatest, you know, therapist of all time, but if someone doesn't have the access to see you, then it's kind of irrelevant. It's sort of like, you know, or somebody doesn't know the how, how or where, or, you know, whatever, to, you know, mm-hmm. how they can get help. So thank you for that piece. Um, and I just think that the more and more people are, uh, really, really talking about stuff. And, and I think that we're still really, really much closer to the beginning than we are anywhere further along the line. But I think that this stuff is, is really vitally important. So just wanted to tell, tell you Thanks, that, was, man. that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely think it's like, um, I just feel like if I'm a really open person, so like if I'm not going to be very open about things and like help crush stigma and create awareness and just like, 
I don't know, help create that dialogue than like who's going to. Um, and there's probably, there's probably some unconscious part of me that's like wanting pats on the back or whatever, but, um, yeah, I just kind of felt like I, I was pretty moved by a, a, a piece by Brandon Warren, um, that he wrote about his mental health and, and an experience he had when he was a kid. And I, I felt like it was something that would resonate with people and it ended up resonating with dozens of people. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. We'll keep that up. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it was awesome. So. Yeah, just gotta gotta keep uh, keep talking, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I always try to talk about my mental health whenever I can, and I know like Mikey, you and I have had like several conversations about uh, what we've been doing to uh, improve ourselves and make ourselves better. Uh, and I think too, just to get that dialogue started, and uh, I, I think also too, uh, just culturally. Uh, so, so Mikey, uh, you. You and I are both Filipino, uh, so uh, we've talked often about a lot um, on how a lot of uh, elders tend to either dismiss mental health, don't really think it's a thing. I, I do know from my own experiences, uh, I, I'm definitely trying to push my mom into accepting how like talking about your mental health is like absolutely normal. Uh, she uh, just experienced a loss not too long ago. Her friend passed away and she kept on bottling all these emotions up and telling me like that she needed me around, but she wasn't telling me why she really needed me around. And I'm like, mom, you're sad. You're, you're just sad. You're just, just like, please admit that you're grieving over your friend. And yeah you will feel so, so, so much better. Uh, so yeah, I think like culturally too, uh, there needs to be more of an in-depth conversation, um, especially with uh, our elders on how uh, mental health is important to them too, and how all, all of the younglings are talking about it. Uh, so uh, yeah, just make it normal. Normalize it. Yeah, yeah. The Zoomers, are, Zoomers are super open about it. Just mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm taking SSRIs. I go to therapy every week. Like, sometimes I want to kill myself. Like, it's crazy how uh, just un, like, they don't even flinch. It's just like, yeah, this is it. And my, one of my friends is a high school teacher. And he's like, yeah, they are, it's, it's wild. It's different from even when we were in high school, which is, you know, mm-hmm. a little over a decade ago. I do have to admit that there are some times where I'm just kind of reluctant to share certain things. And I, I don't know if it's because of my upbringing. Uh, I was raised by older parents. Uh, so a lot of the times uh, when I talk about, um, yeah, like uh, using cannabis to improve my mental health, I'll, I'll just be like, mm. uh, but no, it's, it's like people like you who, who have certainly encouraged me to be more open about it. And uh, yeah, just... Uh, yeah, just be more open about things like, uh, yeah, I've been seeing a therapist every week for the past year and uh, just my outlook on things has improved so much. And so as a result, too, I can kind of see through a lot of my mom's behaviors, too. Uh, so maybe a year ago, um, I would have just dismissed my mom as, you know, just being neurotic and just being like, oh, she's needy. She just wants me around for whatever. But I'm like, no, she's sad. She She's like absolutely she, she wants me around because she said. So uh, yeah, a lot of it too, a lot of things I'm trying to correct within myself uh, have become so much better via therapy. Uh, So, so yes. If my oversharing online can, uh, can help out, then I'm happy to do so. (laughs) Um, I am kind of working on behind the scenes. Uh, I, I bought an iPad that I've begun trying to draw on and and work on some things. I'm going to try and like create some some like t-shirts sweatshirts whatever 
Um, yeah. Donate some money to some foundation. I don't know what. It's always, I don't know. They're always kind of sketchy, but that's in the works. Hopefully I can make it work. If I'm too bad at, at the design aspect, I'll, I'll hit up some of my, my buddies at PictureList, but it's on we'll the, be, yeah, stay tuned. We'll be first in line. Uh, first yeah. customers there. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Like load up your Shopify site immediately. Yes. <laughs> buy a couple of, couple of things, uh, some coffee mugs, t-shirts, whatever. We'll have the works. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that is pretty much all the time we have for today. Again, thank you so much. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks, Michael Ahedo, for joining us. Uh, so, Mikey, uh, if our listeners want to follow you, follow your work, where can they find you? Um, you can find my writing at Lookout Landing, at PictureList. Uh, you can find my uh, my sounds at uh, It's Never Sunny in Seattle, where I podcast about uh, the Mariners with Andy Patton and Clubhouse Naptime, where I podcast about really just MLB um, with Anders Jorstad. Uh, I always have to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I always have to um, think about how to say Anders' name. Um, I used to think it was Anders. But uh, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Um, I've been putting a lot of stuff lately um, and will continue to do so now that I'm I'm working less. I hope you continue to put stuff out uh, just mainly because like, I, I, I just really enjoy your writing. It, it, it's, it's just always uh, fascinating stuff. And I learn so much too, whether it's yeah. about my own team or like just MLB uh, in general. So uh, yeah, other than that, that is our show for today. As always, uh, Sam Sherman. Uh, I'm Janice Gurrio. Uh, follow Northside Sox Pod uh, at that handle exactly. It is Northside Sox Pod. You can follow me uh, if you want to. I don't care if you do. I don't care if you don't. Whatever. Uh, my handle is Scuriosa, S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Uh, other than that, uh, take care, y'all. Uh, take care of yourselves and go White Sox.